Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, artist Andy Warhol grew up close to Pitt in Oakland, but his iconic influence started much later, and mostly because of a soup can that made its debut 60 years ago in L.A. And back then, people didn't think the soup was so hot. CityCast contributor Rosalind Skeena-Colgan is covering the anniversary of Warhol's inaugural show for Pittsburgh City Paper. And wait until you hear what these paintings originally sold for. It's Monday, July 11th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Rosalind, thank you so much for joining us today on CityCast. Thanks for having me. So take us back. It's 60 years ago. You and I are part of, you know, the who's who. So we're invited to Andy Warhol's (laughs) first gallery show. And we're in L.A. for some reason. Why are we in L.A. and not in New York? Yeah, what a dream, first of all, if we could be in 1962 and be part of the (laughs) Glitterati invited to Andy Warhol's show. Um, So if we were, we would have gotten this we would have seen this ex- exhibition announcement. And on the announcement, there's this big picture of a can of soup. And in this case, it's the pepper pot soup. And at the bottom, it would say Andy Warhol Ferris Gallery starting um, July 9th, 1962. So I'm, a- I'm imagining us, we're probably in like a giant car. Mm-hmm. We're driving uh, through LA. We're going to to the gallery to see this show. So why are we in LA and not New York? One of the things that I think we maybe don't think about Andy Warhol so much is we know he's this Pittsburgh kid who became really successful. Yeah. But we don't really talk about how that happened and how he really struggled, which is something that I think I tend to forget, but it wasn't magic. He struggled for years to get um, a solo show specifically for his pop art, which was really new at that time. So he couldn't make it to a New York show right away in 1962, which he was somewhat disappointed about because he wanted to be in New York, but he was also excited because he loved movie stars. So he knew that if his work was in LA, he would be, his work would be, have some proximity to that. So that's why it was in LA. But eventually, as we'll get into, he of course found big success in New York too. walk in and then what are we seeing on the walls so andy at that time painted a picture of all 32 campbell soups that were in circulation at that time so when people ask you know why 32 he has this very wry answer which is also accurate he would just say because there are 32 soups (laughs) so he painted one for each soup Uh, What was really interesting about this show is that they were hung not on the wall as we traditionally would think of in a gallery or museum at this time, but instead they were on shelves. So they were arranged almost as if you were in a grocery store and you could see these soups all around the walls of the gallery. I feel like that that style, though, um, you see that recreated in in magazines yeah. um, you know so many photo shoots where it's just like the the aisles in grocery stores with just you know Brillo boxes or totally so is that is that like that that's all pretty much birthed from Andy Warhol yeah well it certainly was not popular before then and honestly it wasn't really popular 
when it launched either. So one of the things that I find fascinating about this um, was that looking through the newspaper archives in LA at that time, things didn't go so well. So I want to tell you what some of the reviewers said. Um, someone from the LA Times called Andy either a soft-headed fool or a hard-headed charlatan. And another LA Times writer said it was quote, seeing perhaps more paintings of soup than one might care to see. So didn't have the best critical reception for this show. Why was the reception so, you know, lukewarm for a lot of people? I think it's hard for us to imagine right now just how radical Andy Warhol's work was. Because at this time, people who collected art cared about Impressionism. If they were really wild baby they were getting a jackson pollock but that's if they were really edgy yeah so warhol totally subverted all of that and he was making something that people hadn't seen before people hadn't thought about before today that's second nature to us but in 1962 it was really different and just really out of the norm i mean i guess i'm not really all that surprised i think i'm just surprised being it you know it's it's 60 years later and we're still seeing um how much impact andy warhol has had on art on on pop culture on, you know, it's just crazy to think that you know that's not very long ago no it's to, to not get that reception absolutely and it to be everywhere now yeah exactly yeah. one gallery even put soup cans actual soup cans in their window and had a sign that said, don't be misled, get the original. So there is a lot of attitude about Andy's paintings um, at that time. Did Campbell's like it? Was it for, like free advertising? <laughs> so I got to talk to an archivist from Campbell's for this story. And he said, from what he knows, they sent a lawyer out to the gallery in LA to take a look. And the lawyer was basically a little stumped, but mm -hmm. essentially said, you know, these are just paintings of our soup. There's really nothing for us to worry about. No need for a cease and desist or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so at first they were kind of confused about it, but pretty quickly they realized how special these things were, as did the rest of America at that point. And soon Campbell's was creating what are called these super dresses. If you are on a computer listening to this, go to eBay and look up super dress um, because they're really cool. And they're almost these paper-like dresses, but they now sell for thousands of dollars. So these 32 pieces came together, but what, what was the background story of how they all came to be for this show? Yeah, so they, when they were at the gallery, they were on sale for $200 a piece, and just a handful of them sold. I've heard about five or six of the 32 sold. But from that from that show in, exactly. in 1962, okay. Yep, okay. from the LA show. But the person who ran the gallery was really enamored with the paintings, and he started to think that they would be great to be kept together. So he actually asked everyone who bought a painting to return it to him, which is, of course, very unconventional. And he convinced everyone who purchased one, including the actor Dennis Hopper, to- Did they get, did they get their money back? 
Um, that's a great question. I think so. <laughs> I haven't heard anything to the contrary. <laughs> I guess Dennis Hopper probably didn't need the money, but I think they probably got their money back. Yeah. And then he convinced Andy Warhol to sell them to him at a discounted rate of about $1,000 total. So Warhol, from what I have heard, was not happy about the deal. Again, there's conflicting reports on that. Mm. But that's how one telling of the story goes. And then he really held on to these pieces for a long time. Um, the gallery director's name was was Irving Blum, and he eventually sold the set of 32 paintings to the Museum of Modern Art in New York City in 1996. Um, And he sold them for a reported $15 million, which was also considered a gift, partial gift. So that just shows you how much these paintings were worth. Like he paid Andy Warhol a thousand bucks for them, and then he sold them for 15 million. And nowadays the value is more than 200 million for that set of paintings. So it's wild. That's because that's what I was thinking. Like 15 million is not, that's not a, that's not a lot for uh, an original Andy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. An original Andy Warhol painting. No, not in today's art world. Uh, Pittsburgh is really lucky to have the Warhol Museum, but we don't have these iconic pieces. Do you think he'd prefer it that way? Oh, such a good question. So much of this story has been trying to get into Andy Warhol's head, which is really complicated. Um, I think he would be pretty excited to have them in New York. He definitely seemed to have a love for Pittsburgh, but also a love for New York. And of course, he wanted these paintings to be shown in New York. So I think it fulfills that dream for him. It's really interesting if you get to come to New York and see them at MoMA, just seeing how people interact with the paintings. There are some people who are gathering, they're getting their kids in front of them to get just the perfect photo. Other people who just breeze by and don't seem to care. So even today with Andy Warhol being probably the most famous artist of our time and certainly the most debated. There's still sort of a a little bit of um, controversy about these paintings, whether they're something that's actually special or something that people just walk by because they could see it on a grocery store shelf. Why soup? Some experts say it's possible that he just really liked soup. He's been quoted as saying that he would have Campbell's soup for lunch all the time. So that's one possibility. Um, (laughs) Growing up in Pittsburgh, uh, I'm sure it's freezing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Other possibilities, you know, maybe it was something deeper. Some of the experts I talked to were saying maybe it's something about democracy. You know, maybe it's something that we're all the same on the inside as as Americans, but on the outside, everyone is different. Or maybe it's something about populist products, you know, bringing this Campbell's soup that everyone eats, whether you're in the White House, whether you're the queen, everyone's eating Campbell's soup, right? So kind of these monuments to this, this populism. There's a lot of, there's a lot of theories, but I love, one of the things I love about Andy Warhol's work is that you can come up with your own theories and everyone likely has one and likely has a feeling that they feel when they see these paintings up close. I think we're all overthinking it. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he just really liked soup, right? Yeah. What about all the recreation? Some artists, I I feel like a lot of artists will probably think that that cheapens their work in some way. Um, But do you think Andy would think that? Well, hard to say. There are soup cam magnets, there's puzzles, notebooks, greeting cards. You could find keychains, skateboards, like stickers, anything really that you want. There's maybe an Andy Warhol soup can version of it. I think he would be 
pretty excited about it, personally, just based on my reading of him. I think he would see it as not just a tribute to his work, but kind of this interest in consumerism. And I think he would be pretty charmed by that. Mm -hmm. And he also was really interested in that he saw it as this alchemy that you he could turn this soup can, which is 18 or 20 cents at that time, he could turn it into a painting that he, you know, thought was going to sell for $200. Well, little does he know, today they're valued at $200 million. But to him, seeing this idea of turning a piece of a can that's metal into money, and now people are turning that into a keychain, a bookmark, a print, I think he'd be pretty fascinated by that. Rosalind Skeena-Colgan is a freelance writer and the newest contributor to our CityCast Pittsburgh team. Thanks for celebrating Warhol's big day with us, Rosalind. Thanks for having me. I'm lead producer Megan Harris with a little more news, specifically one pretty big thing we think you really need to know about. Our state lawmakers are proposing 80 new amendments to the Pennsylvania Constitution, and most of them are coming from Republicans. Here are just a few. Number one, eliminate school property taxes and replace it with a yet-to-be-determined mix of more sales and income taxes. Ours are already pretty high. Number two, cut House membership by about 50 seats. So this would be statewide, and we do have the largest and most expensive state legislature in the country. Number three, privatize the state liquor system. Right now, we all go to state stores. It's all government controlled, and it makes Pennsylvania the largest single buyer of alcohol in the world. Number four, make the office of lieutenant governor an appointment rather than elected office. So not unlike how we vote for president, each gubernatorial candidate and their party would choose a running mate rather than having all of us vote on someone ourselves. And here we get into some newer, stickier ones. These were just proposed in the last few days. So let's keep going with our numbers. Number five, to put in writing explicitly that there's no constitutional right to abortion or public funding for abortion. Number six, to require all voters to show ID at polling places. This is not and has never been a requirement of voting. Number seven, allow our General Assembly, or state lawmakers, to set up a system for the Auditor General to be in charge of election audits. And number eight, to let those same lawmakers be able to vote down regulations without facing a governor's veto. And while they all have pretty huge implications, this last one is really important. Right now, Republicans are turning to constitutional amendments to get around Governor Wolf's veto power. Here in Pennsylvania, we have a Republican majority in the state House and Senate, but only barely. And the Democratic minority usually tries really hard to make sure that the Republicans can't get the votes to override a governor's veto. That takes a two thirds vote. Our General Assembly is closer to a 50 50 split. But by changing the state constitution, the GOP would cut out our executive branch completely and effectively nearly half the General Assembly, the Democratic half. Critics are calling it a huge threat to our democracy and to the system of checks and balances that protect it. So what can you do? There's a lengthy process to get constitutional amendments approved, and ultimately they'll come to us, the voters, to decide. The soonest that could happen is 2023. But you can call your lawmakers now and let them know whether you support or oppose any or all of these proposed amendments. If you don't know who your elected leaders are, we'll have a link in our show notes and in the newsletter to help you find out. 
happy rabble rousing fam. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're liking the show, tell a friend, give us a good rating, subscribe to our morning newsletter, all the things. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then. I have my camera off because I am like hunched over. I look like a troll.